Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with West Yorkshire Electrical, who do roofs as well as electrics now, Michael, which is the exciting news, isn't it? It's exciting for me, certainly, because I love um, roofing and <laughs> everything to do with it, yes. You have attempted to fix your own roof in the past, which has been documented on the show before. Yeah, I would probably recommend, if you're getting solar panels and stuff put up there at the same time, certainly get a, um, a professional to do it. Yeah, so um, West Yorkshire Electrical, specialists in renewables, and they now have the roofing team within the company to do your roof at the same time but you don't have to be getting your solar panels done do you, you can just no. if you need your roof done give them a buzz but get solar panels too well yeah and what well surely you want to connect your solar panels to something you're not just going to leave them sat up there doing nothing are you a battery a big one too not like a Nokia one yeah just they, they do prep they're like special ones <laughs> special batteries special, ba- special big batteries and e- vehicle, uh, EV chargers yeah. electric vehicle chargers I nearly said that correctly that was good and all the other stuff that electricians usually do such as oh like wiring in that yeah yeah yeah, um, all the wire stuff, lights, fire alarms, smoke alarms. CCTV. Yeah. Finance available for work on your home and your business. Let's save ourselves from this, Phil. wyelectrical.co.uk for details. And they're on your socials as well, so just look them up and, uh, and tell them we sent you. So, uh, you are right, Phil? I'm good, I'm good. The scary people, roofers. I don't mean uh, inherently scary people, but the way in which they just walk around on your roof in the rain and the snow and the ice... I usually just kind of hide inside and think, up to him, really. If he falls, he falls. <laughs> don't want to see anything tumbling past uh-huh, the window. Yeah, yeah, and they never do. No, that's or, good. Or even Drago approach to uh, <laughs> yeah. workplace safety. If he dies, he dies, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all the best Yeah. <laughs> to the roofers who, uh, who watch and listen. So, Leeds United sitting quite pretty, Phil, and the lead-off of your article was saying that promotion is there to be taken. And that's how it feels at the minute, isn't it? It feels like having nudged our way into second place, albeit, you know, there are games in hand from the for the teams underneath, that Leeds are just starting to to peak and that destiny being in our own hands, it is there it's there to be taken, isn't it? This is the the worrying thing from a Leeds fan perspective is sometimes stating the obvious can be terrifying. So obviously the bench changed at the the last minute, but the bench as it was chosen initially, I was sitting looking through it and it was what you expected, you know, with Dan James back on it. And it just occurred to me that between him and Pirro, you had 20 goals on the bench, let alone in, in the starting lineup, And I think that sort of underlines something we've been talking about quite a lot as, as the season has gone on from the, the beginning of January, about the, the strength and depth that's developing. And, and obviously it's never foolproof and, and we're waiting now to see what, what the news is on Bamford um, with him withdrawing be- before the game. But what you saw is, you know, you, when Leeds went for Pirro, 
it was the big signing of last summer. You know, he's, he's very expensive. And so Swansea were in that situation where they were losing somebody, one of their big names to another side in the championship, which is kind of the last thing that championship clubs want to do. They always want to sell to the division above for, for obvious reasons. But then if you look more recently, they'll find that Leeds have gone through this run of, or up until Tuesday night, of six league wins on the bounce without using Pirro significantly at all. I know he did score during, during that run, but he's been on the bench and, and it's been Bamford who's been up front. But what you have on Tuesday is a, a problem 10, 15 minutes before the game. You bring Pirro in, Pirro scores after 10 minutes, you win 4-0. And I just think it, it, it's a good way of capturing the, the sort of good place that, that Farker and Leeds are in at the moment. I mean, all round, Tuesday was a massive bonus in the sense that it was a really easy win in what could have been a very difficult game. And then up the road in Bristol, you had Southampton finally blinking in what was a, a pretty bad, heavy defeat for them at Ashton Gate. So it's second place now. And, and it is, you know, it is all on. And that long round trip to South Wales, I guess the blow of that softens somewhat when you get there and it's a walk in the park like that. Well, they've tried really hard to manage this run. So they've they've obviously had a lot of long, really long away trips, um, some of the longest in in the championship. And that goes back to January as well when they were down at, at Cardiff. You know, it has all been kind of clumped together. So they've flown to all the games. On Tuesday night, they stayed over after the Swansea game came back on the Wednesday, which meant that they were able to get proper sleep in, sleeping patterns not disrupted, which is often one of the, the biggest problems when you have weird and wonderful fixture lists that require a lot of travelling and, and late nights and everything else. So they, they've tried hard to manage it and they've tried hard to plan for it. But no amount of planning is the same uh, or necessarily guarantees or equals really, really good results. And in this sort of game, for it to be pretty much checkmate after 10 minutes and for Farker to be able to rest players in the last 20 minutes, for, for Leeds to be so on top and, and to know really that they had that result in the bag, certainly at 3-0, but even at, at 2-0, colleague of mine, Stuart James, Swan, him and his lad are Swansea fans and they were down at the game on Tuesday and you know he was kind of saying from 10 minutes onwards, we're going to get absolutely battered here, which is how, how it felt. So that is a big bonus for Farker and he, he will be absolutely delighted that in a game like that on a Tuesday night in amongst the other fixtures that they've got, they've turned it on in the way they have because it was an easy, easy win. This is a basic question, but what was Swansea thinking? Like, what was, uh, the, what was yeah. the plan in that? Because came undone very quickly and then it just the same thing kept happening over and over. And did, did, did you say anything about that as well? Like, I, well, <laughs> I messaged, I, I'd have to dig up the exact message, but I messaged him after about 10 minutes and said, has your defence gone on holiday? Like, what what are you doing? And and his view on it was, it was from his vantage point, wherever he was sat, was that it was quite, quite naive. And I totally agreed with that. They've obviously had a change of manager and the way in which they're trying to play, I think is far more possession-based, far more aggressive front foot football which is fine. And it worked for them um, at Hull at the weekend. Didn't work at all against Leeds. And I was in the press conference afterwards when when Williams was speaking. And he was saying a couple of things. One of them was that because of the demands that he's placing on the players, in his view, they weren't able to replicate what they did at Hull second time around four days later against Leeds. He was also very much of the view that he has principles, he's standards for the way that they want to play or at least he's, he's got a fixed idea of what the tactics should be and I think his viewpoint on this was that in order for the players to to get a grasp of that and, and to get on board with it they need to persist with it irrespective of what's happening on the pitch you know you need to kind of stick to, to the programme and, and I do get that but I think on Tuesday naive was probably the word really you were sitting there thinking this you know they're not coping at all with Leeds pace they're not coping with the, the movement they're getting cut open so easily and the game plan 
even though I, I know what Williams is saying and I know what it is that he's aiming for, the, the game plan was a bit of a mystery to me. I think I'd have been, I'd have been fairly mildly furious if I'd been a Swansea fan sitting watching that because they were, they were hopeless. It almost struck me as being a bit like sort of Bielsa light in the sense that sticking to football in principles, but minus all the all the benefits from it, like and it producing results. It was just well, we'll we'll just carry on doing this anyway, lads, because we we were literally sat here laughing, weren't we? Me and you just going, why why are they? carry on doing this what why are you defending so high and giving us loads of space to play in and also leaving midfield wide open we're just playing into our hands completely but when every single one of our attacking players was faster than every single one of their defenders playing a high line yeah. just just seemed like an obviously bad idea there were so many gaps and they, they didn't seem to be at all good at, at tracking Leeds runners or, or knowing what Leeds were, were going to do next and, and again and, and every manager says this there's no denying that Leeds have a level of attacking quality which is just on a, a different plane to your, your average championship team one or two things will happen with Williams and from speaking to some of the journalists who cover Swansea regularly they were saying there is no doubt at all that they need better players in that squad you know they, they need they need footballers who, who are an improvement on on what they have but one or two things will happen either over time he'll stick to this and it will come good and it will fall into place and he'll be justified in going for this approach all the results won't come and this will become difficult for him pretty quickly because the point about Bielsa was that yes he had this plan A that was always plan A and it was the most defined plan A and we always do this and we never break from it but it, it worked you know at the outset for three seasons it worked extremely well so it was very easy to get on board with it was very easy on the days when it didn't work because they were quite isolated to say well you know that's the way it goes from time to time and that is the championship, I mean, Fark has tried to say that actually that on occasions where Leeds have lost and have lost in games where you kind of expected them to either win or, or get something from it. He said, you know, this is how it goes in this league. And I totally agree with that. You, you are going to have nights where you get beat. You know, it's, it's, I think, impossible to go through to go through a season in a league like this unbeaten. It's just not going to happen. But you need people to see, particularly your own support, they need to see that it is going to work. Or they have to have some faith um, in the fact that it is going to work. And that, I think, will be the challenge for, for Williams. It's fine to have principles and to say we're going to play like this that and the other but at some point it has to click what do you think about where Leeds are sat at the minute then this uh, little head of steam that it feels like is is building up again and it goes back to what I said on the last show that we did which is that you know you, you're only as good as your as your last result so if we lose the next one then it doesn't really matter does it the, the wind is taken out of the sails but I guess there's there's a certain amount of that actually shines a light on, on where Southampton are at the minute because they've lost their most recent game so now they've got to reset and, and go again but from a Leeds perspective, feels like there's a little bit of something happening here. I think Leeds have done really well, I think, to hang in this season. And it's a bit harsh saying hang in because it hasn't been like that. The form's actually been incredibly good. They're up to 20 wins now. But there have been little patches of the season where there was a bit of frustration with Farker, I think particularly that week after Christmas. And I always looked at the numbers and, and generally what they were doing and thought, it is good though. It is pretty much in hand this and it, it does feel like it's it's got a lot of potential. And I think what's been particularly impressive is that Southampton, up until the, the defeat to Bristol City, were on a run which was, you know, best run of form in the league going back a century. And I think there's probably something psychologically difficult for Southampton in those circumstances to be on your best run in a century, but to find that Leeds are still right there behind you and to find that the first time you lose what happens is you drop into third place and, and Leeds move into to second. And you know, Southampton have a really difficult game coming up now at West Brom, which is going to be is going to be quite a significant test for them. That last night for Ipswich was a really important result from their perspective, I think. They they've missed a lot of beats recently and they they needed impetus to find them dead quickly. Otherwise they you know, 
it stood to reason, given the way Leeds and Southampton are going, that they were going to get detached. Um, so that that's important for them. But Farke has this kind of laser focus. Whenever you're, you're asking him questions about the table, promotion, anything else, he always talks about points per game, the idea of making sure that you're hitting the mark of two and what happens will happen. You know, if you hit two, you give yourself yourself a good chance and then you just see how the how the cards fall. But also this kind of magic fixture he has, uh, magic figure he has of 26 wins. You know, the idea that 26 wins and inevitably some draws on top of that should or is likely to be enough to take you up. He just seems to be totally, totally fixed on that. And he's been, I think to this point, really quite clever at not getting distracted by anything that seems to be going on elsewhere or going on roundabout. He just, he obviously has a clear idea in his head of what he wants Leeds to do, how he wants it to look at the end of the season. And he, I think he's quite pragmatic in saying to himself, if it isn't enough, it isn't enough because in, in the average season, it should get you up top two. And if it doesn't, then you just have to find another route. 26 wins probably won't be enough this year, will it? I suspect it might not be. No, I, I think that is going to depend on whether or not Southampton leads. I feel like it's between Southampton and Leeds, but obviously Ipswich are still there. But neither club has shown any sign of falling away. So it's a question now of whether that happens, even though it's not looked likely at any point. It feels as if they're going to go on relentlessly to the end of the season and it is going to come down to the odd result here and there. So no, you're right, 26 might might well not be enough. I just think at the outset of a season, it's very difficult to say to yourself, we're going to aim for more than that. That seems to be a, a fair fair ballpark for anybody who's trying to finish top two. I know we've been joking about Ipswich being finished and so on, and it would be foolish to write them off. I'm just looking at their fixtures. And actually, there's some really interesting patterns that have emerged in the fixtures. Like, So we played Bristol the other week and we've beaten them, and then Southampton have gone there and lost. It makes, suddenly makes you think, well, we're better than Southampton. And we've just gone to Swansea and beaten them. And now it's Swansea against Ipswich up next. So... These these little patterns are just kind of adding more spice, aren't they, to the to the um, to the promotion running? But Ipswich's run for the next month or so, the next six games, they've got Swansea away, then they've got Rotherham and Birmingham at home. Um, they travel to Plymouth, then they've got Bristol City at home, and then they travel to Cardiff. So it's more favourable compared to what they've had, isn't it? Because uh, as I've sort of said and touched on, they have actually gone through a really really difficult run of games. But they, they will probably say themselves that they haven't taken enough points from them or, or not as many points as they, they would have wanted to do, which which means that there is no pressure on this spell because if they are going to finish second, it's going to have to go to go very well for them. Fark has said a couple of times this season, he's talked about the stages he saw Leeds going through. So the first was to kind of get a grip of themselves last summer with the various things that needed to be sorted out from takeovers to head coach to, to players and everything else. And then the second was to fall into his style of play and do that consistently, which they definitely have. And then it was to kind of put yourself in contention. So for the top six and then the top two, and then I suppose the stage after that is to get into the top two. I think we can probably safely assume, can't we, that the title is gone. Um, I think it would be pretty spectacular now if that was to happen. Is there not a bit of you that thinks if we win... If they lose, then we win. You know, we could I, can't, be within... I can't believe you of all people are saying that. But um, I was just I mean, looking at it the other day and I was thinking, well... It seems like a big gap, but if they happen to lose yeah. and get us to 69, 78, then, then we, we play them. them and then we beat them and then all of a sudden it gives, gets to six points. And, you, you, and, never, and, you never see that. Well, I was going to say, pressure they, can do funny things to teams, can't it? We've seen it ourselves when we, that you know, that first season under Bielsa. But realistically, every every bone in your body knows that they're going to win it just because the gap is so big. Yeah, yeah. But They can it, afford to slip up time after time after time and still be top. But it's nice to have the title. It's nice for players to have medals from that and the, and the memories of it but the, the point about the championship sadly is that you've got to get out of it any which way and 
the only season I can remember where there seemed to be any sort of mad frustration about the the title was when um, Brighton lost it on the last day. I think Stockdale threw that um, that goal in. Was it away at Villa? And they ended up finishing second when they could have won it. And you kind of think if the trophy's there to be had, you'd, you'd much rather rather have it. But I don't think many clubs start out at the beginning of the season saying we have to win the title. You just want to get promoted. It's felt for a long time now, like Leicester have probably gone. I think they they realistically most likely have. But on that basis, Farker is probably exactly where he would have wanted to be at this stage. And I asked him on Tuesday, you know, could it have gone an awful lot better than this, given the standing start that you had at the beginning? And I think the answer to that is no, not really. Yeah, just looking down the results, actually, we've said before, like it's draws in this division that kill you. And that's what we saw early in the season with those one, two, three, it was four draws in the opening sort of seven games or thereabouts, wasn't it? Since that whole game on the 20th of September, we've only drawn two games. Well, that, that's his point though, isn't it? Yeah, Roth- Rotherham away and Coventry at home. The rest, you know, we lost uh, We lost four games, five games in that spell. But equally, we just won the rest. Yeah, yeah. But that, that is his point. You know, X number of wins is what we're aiming for because he knows what that will, will most, most likely do. But there, it is definitely the case as well, though, that his, his squad's just in really good shape at the moment. I know there's injury to Bamford and there's waiting to hear it also with, with Sam Byram, but it is genuinely more of a challenge for him to decide who not to play than it is to decide who to play. And I think if you're Swansea and you see Bamford disappear in the warm-up and then it's Pirro who's brought on, who scores after 10 minutes, you kind of realise that you're outmatched, don't you? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In the last show, I asked you, are you, are you enjoying this season? And I've just realized that the question that sort of follows from that is, are you embracing the pressure of trying to get promoted? I'm finding it quite engaging this year. Whereas it always because it, it's going well, Dan. <laughs> yeah, we've won, seven, we've won seven games. We've conceded once in seven games. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's naturally going to sway your mood. But I look back to the, the two attempts to get promoted under Bielsa, and and I know we've kind of got rose tinted spectacles about the promotion season, but that didn't get enjoyable until we were basically confirmed as promoted, and we then ran away with it. That, that Barnsley you know game, that Barnsley game was hideous. But yeah, I'm, I'm, but... I'm talking about the the 16 years of, of pressure to do it. And then the second season obviously had the added pressure of the failure from the previous season. Do you know, do you know why that was? Because for much of the, 
Bielsa period, you couldn't quite work out how he was doing it. You know, he seemed to be elevating the players way beyond the level that any of us thought they could play at and perform at. That that, that natural thing, and I say this is quite um, inherent at Leeds, I think, that natural thing of, oh, this is going to fall apart at some point, isn't it? It was always there in, in the background, even though actually, particularly in the season when they went up, they were rock solid through the the, you know, the second half. Of the Certainly from the Forest game onwards, I know they got beat at Cardiff in the first game back after COVID, but, you know, they were massively consistent through that run and, and they and they polished it off beautifully in the end. This time round, and we were we said this on the last body, Farka has a stronger squad than Bielsa. It definitely has. And I think the difference in quality between Farka's best players and out with less than Southampton, the best players that other clubs in the championship have is is pretty pronounced, I think. It's quite you know yeah. it's quite wide. So I think the reason you're feeling more confident is because you're looking across the pitch and you're seeing Furpo, uh, sorry, Furpo. Well, uh, I mean, even even <laughs> even Furpo's got his uh, even Furpo's got his own song, hasn't yeah. he? Which tells you how how well it's going. But you've got Somerville and you've got Nonto back in the goals. You've got Gruev, who, I mean, granted, some of his passing is is not wildly expansive. But look at the weather at the moment. He just keeps coming up with like ninety seven percent pass completion rate. He just looks like a Bundesliga quality midfielder. You've got Ampadu, you've got Rodon, you've got Archie Gray playing like Archie Gray is playing. Ruta, you've got all of this. Bamford, Pirro. So why wouldn't you feel pretty optimistic about no, it? It's not necessarily the optimism. I mean, like embracing the, the actual chase for promotion. Like it's felt like almost crippling in, in the anxiety that it's put on me before when we were trying to go up. And I don't know if it... I, I, think, I think the odds are much stronger yeah, this time, is it, is it because it, of what is in, in the dressing room. Is it? I don't know if, like I said, the, the, the history of the previous 16 years perhaps bearing on that as well, thinking like, if we don't go up now, it'll never happen. This is the only shot we'll ever have of going up. And actually you realise that you do go up and even if you do come down, the parachute payments massively swear everything in your favour, yeah. like you say, and, and the, the system is kind of loaded to benefit the teams that do come down with parachute payments. And as you've said, Michael, before actually, this is the first time we've done it. Yeah, we just had years of having to watch smaller clubs, to kind of phrase, come yeah. down and outspend us and buy our best players and being like, oh, well, I guess Norwich are going to bounce straight back up then because they've just come and taken someone off us. But it, it depends on getting it together quickly. Farker was making that point in the, the press conference before Swansea that the, the three promoted clubs have actually done really well to put themselves... OK, they've got players and they've got money and they've got budget and everything else. But you've seen many, many times before that clubs who get relegated with parachute payments make a mess of sorting themselves out and don't take advantage of the parachute payments and then stumble into a period where they no longer have them and and aren't in any way well-placed to to compete for for promotion. So if you come down and you do it properly, then yeah, your chances are are better. And I'll I'll say it again, there was the element of magic with Bielsa to what he was doing with that squad because we'd seen the previous season that it looked miles... And okay, they, they did add players to it, but it was still... The bones of what what he'd inherited was um, the, the kind of lineup that that he went with, and it looked miles off. You know, my, I mean, miles off the playoffs, let alone them um, winning the league. So yeah, na- naturally, you kind of thought to yourself, "Is this going to run out of stamina? You know, is this going to hit the wall?" Whereas with Farker, it's very very possible that Leeds finish third um, and Southampton pull in ninety five, ninety six points. Leeds don't quite get there and, and end up in the playoffs, but you know that they're going to be really close one way or the other, and it will probably come down to just really, really fine margins somewhere. Yeah, I'm not even scared by the playoffs this year. Am I, have I lost my mind? We've yeah, got, we've got We've got a really good squad. That's the thing. Under Bielsa, I think what comes down to is that it did feel quite fragile because 
there wasn't a lot of a lot of depth in certain areas. So if Pablo was injured, that's true. You yeah. all of a sudden went, oh shit, there's no one else. That means Tyler Roberts plays. He's not quite the same. He's not really the same type of player. And then if Bamford gets injured, Roberts needs to go up front. Oh, we need to play John Kevin Augustan or something drastic like that. So there wasn't. Whereas now you can go all right. Well, if Bamford's injured, it's fine. Piro plays. If Nonto's injured, James comes in. There's, I don't know. There's there are good options off the bench. Whereas, with all due respect to him, occasionally in the Bielsa season, we were bringing on John Stevens and Robbie Gotts and people like that who have since kind of shown that they're they're League One, League Two players for now. I, we, I we think, don't really have that. Yeah, I, I think teams in the Championship are helping as well, though, because at Ellen Road in particular, and I mean, Williams said this on Tuesday. His point was that if Swansea had been compact and deep and had tried to resist Leeds, they would probably have lost anyway. And you can look at, I suppose there are away games this season which contradict that, but you can look at a lot of the games at Ellen Road to see that that's absolutely proven. And I think at home particularly for Leeds, they're finding that team after team are coming and employing the tactics that have not really worked for anybody else and are not working for them. The difference, you would assume, is going to be Leicester. You know, that is going to be one of the few games this season where it could well be 50-50, punch for punch, both sides going for gold, which will be great to watch, but I think also explains why that is going to be such a critical, critical game for Leeds. I thought, have they finished at Leicester? Bold fraud in charge? Yeah, uh, Yes, I believe so. Well, are there any bold frauds in the division? There will be in a week or two anyway. Yeah. Give them, give them a while until we write them off. They're, they're on um, 25 wins, by the way. They're finished, are they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wanted to um, get your take on Willie Nonto, if I could, as well, Phil. Yes. Do we have any movement on this this contract? Because that one has been bubbling away. This is a rumour that's kind of been around since the turn of the year, hasn't it? Yeah, it's... it was the back end of the transfer window. Leeds were, um, felt like they were getting close with it and, and definitely do want to, to tie him down. Um, interestingly, nothing yet with, with Somerville, who does have a long deal... But, I mean, the form that he's in this season is going to naturally lead at some point to, to that discussion, but but not ongoing at the moment. I think it feels a bit like the end of the window has been good for Nonto. And also, I think that goal at Bristol City has been really good for him. I, I, that was one of the questions to Farke that I, I put to him on Monday was whether he felt like Nonto had just had a little bit of a weight lifted from his shoulders because he looks like he has. You know, he's starting to look like he's enjoying it an awful lot more than he was previously, which is not a surprise because everybody knows what was going on and everybody knows what the consequences of situations like that tend to be. It it can make you quite negative mentally. But again, you know, you, you lose Dan James and suddenly Nonto is coming up with goals and, and helping you win games. And that's the that's the scenario Leeds are in at the moment. It's absolutely a dream scenario for a coach, you know, where you just have players who who do it irrespective of, of how you, you mix the team up. And And as I say... I think Southampton will be very much aware of that. And it is it is quite a kick in the teeth that you go unbeaten for the length of time they have with so many wins. And you still find that the, the first day you, you lose, uh, that drops you into the playoffs. It's generally a cliche about people coming back from injuries, but it does genuinely feel like a new signing now, does Nonto? Yeah. It feels like the early part of the season was a write-off. And he, he, even when he came on, it didn't particularly contribute. Then the last last few weeks, all of a sudden he's... Is this new exciting player that's arrived? Who who is Leeds United's or who has been Leeds United's most like a new signing player over the years? I mean, Bamford's had a fair few regards, yeah. it, hasn't he? Yeah, mm. I seem to think though. It feels like during the Grayson era, there were a lot of them. I mean, nobody jumps to mind. Say, but, the the yeah, like a new signing was the yeah the person coming back from injury and not being sold during the the Grayson era. Yeah, and also I think it was always a consequence of the fact that Leeds never really did that much transfer business that you know made you particularly excited. So anybody who was returning. You were like, bonus. Oh, Alex Bruce is back. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. It's interesting, like, just reading the... He's like uh, a new but bad signing. 
like reading on, on the forums, like on, on Waco, reading on Twitter as well. There are still some people who are like, right, get through to the summer and then it's a sell Nonto who cannot forgive him for what happened in the summer. Is is there a way back for him? Um, or, or is he already charting that course? What what do you think that, that position sits like? Because I, 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 think, I, think, I think that's a fair enough point of well, view. I was going to say, just um, the follow-up question, Phil, was because fans tend to view this through an emotional lens, don't they? Of mm-hmm. like, well, if, he, if he's wronged my club, then get him out the door. There's no coming back from that. Whereas clubs will look at it in a far more pragmatic way, which is that is a 20, 30 million pound asset potentially. So why do we want to just kick him out because he's made an error? So where do you sit on it? It's the refusal to play, isn't it, that will make it difficult for some people. And I don't, I think it would be pretty naive of any footballer who has done that to then say, oh, everybody should just forget about it because I'm now scoring a, a few goals. I think to a degree, if it's going well and it feels like the, the squad's been managed effectively and the results are good, I almost feel like you do have to defer to how the head coach sees it and how the manager sees it. And I think if Farker feels like he's an asset, which he quite clearly does and, and has done since the start of the season, then I, I kind of feel like it's it's best to go with that. And I also think you've got to be careful not to cut off your nose to spite your face on, on the basis that you do have a very talented winger there who you can make a, a lot of. And, and I can't help feeling, and I've, I've said this a few times, that if Leeds get promoted and he goes into the Premier League with Leeds, then that seems to me as good a move for him as he's likely to get anywhere else, unless I'm completely misreading the, the levels of interest in him. There are plenty of clubs who like him. Premier well, League I was going to say the previous window showed that when it's Everton that you're trying to get a move to and they've got no money. And and might, spend, and might get relegated. Yeah, and I spend yeah. the money they don't well, have. I understand the lure of the Premier League from a professional's point of view, but if you're that good, you'd have been snapped up by somebody else, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, it's not an exact science because I, I always say this about Snodgrass. You know, people used to say to him, we'll pass you on the way down if you go to... Norwich or Hull or whatever, or West Ham, whatever it is, it never happened, did it? You know, it was. Um, well, is is yeah. it any coincidence now, Phil, that we're we're about to go up and we've forced him into retirement? Mm, <laughs> probably not. No, I, I spoke to him last week. Actually, he seems to be quite is he happy, doing all right, happy yeah. with his lot. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he is. Um, What's he up to? Um, he's doing agency work, and I think he's got some business interests going on as well. But it just seems quite quite content. So this is the thing. You see, players don't want to get stuck in the championship. And I suppose if you're being totally fair about Leeds last summer, it wasn't that easy, was it, to to have a very sort of clear idea of how it was going to go this season. I think you asked me on the, the podcast before the Cardiff game on the very first weekend, where do you see Leeds finishing? And I said sixth. And the basis for that was that I thought they'd be good and I thought they'd be competitive, but we still needed another three weeks to work out who was leaving, who was staying, what was, was going to happen. And in that period, you had Nonto trying to force his way out you had Adams forcing his way out, you had Sinistera forcing his way out, and obviously the churn of others coming in and, and things changing. So you can never really tell until the transfer window closes, unless, of course, a club are massively organised and get it together by that point. And, of course, when the transfer window closes, if you're stuck with a club who you don't think are going to get promoted, then you'd rather probably rather be elsewhere. And I don't know if that was known to his exact thinking. And I know there was talk about whether he was going to make the Euros and him thinking that he needed to be playing at a higher level in order for Italy to to keep looking at him. And Mancini's but, gone from that job as well, crucially, he, which may be a factor. He has, although yeah. he, you know, he, he liked Nonto and, and used Nonto. But I just get the feeling that Nonto is actually starting to enjoy this again. And I think if, if he starts to... Farker said after what happened, he'll get a second chance, but there'll be no third chance for him. This is kind of it. Basically implying that if it happens again, there's no way I can tolerate that. And I think that would be a fair stance for the crowd to take as well. That there's no need to be happy or to respect what he did back last summer because it shouldn't have happened like that but if he starts playing well for you and he starts doing the business and he's an effective part of your team then barring a, a, the need for a third chance 
I think I'd be able to tolerate that. Good stuff. Right, Phil. Off down to Plymouth. Another yes. nice uh, nice long trek down there. You looking yes. forward to that? Immensely, yes. Yeah. Visiting the motorways of the Southwest. Private jet, come on. I was Phil. saying to the, the press guys, we should have got like a Love Island house in the Southwest and just done a four-day bender <laughs> in between Swansea and Plymouth. Not sure there's quite as many abs in the athletic house. <laughs> <laughs> or indeed any. Uh, just well, with reference to that as well, um, we should say you're not dying. That we no, know about. No, no well, the, unless I haven't been told yet. <laughs> News as we get it. Uh, yeah. uh, to, to explain that reference as well, um, you've announced like this morning that Nancy Froston is joining the Athletic League United right yes, team. Yeah, she got a piece online this morning <laughs> about sponsors. Like, it's Phil Hill again. <laughs> but the funniest one was the first one, which I, I think went along the lines of, I'm just checking, just wanted to say, I hope you're well, which is another way of saying, you're not, uh, you're not back for more surgery, you are you? Um, no, Nancy's going to be getting on, on board. Um, I'm not going away from Leeds coverage. I'll still be writing about Leeds, but I am, um, and I won't get into this now, but I'm picking up another project with The Athletic as well. So just bits and pieces going on in the background. Spreading um, the load a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I will be on the road down the M5 tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Good stuff. Um, staying in a nice glamorous hotel. What's your hotel of choice? Premier Inn. Yes. Wow. Yes, beautiful. Say hello if you're, if you're there. Have you, um, got, have you got enough uh, Premier Inn points now that they upgrade you to the fancy business room? Is it standard purple? I didn't even realise you could get points. I suspect the company collect them rather than yeah, me. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Um, but if Leeds win this, I mean, I think it'd be hard to explain how delighted Farker will be. Especially off the back of it, it's Friday night as well. It's worth adding that the uh, Southampton West Brom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this has been this has been really demanding this stretch, particularly with extra time at Plymouth in the middle of it. Um, it'll be it'll be quite a run if they pull that off. But yeah, thanks to thanks to Sky for the half twelve kickoff. Yeah. That's what we all wanted. Are you enjoying that the, those guys work at the minute? Yeah, it, it seemed to be problematic on Tuesday. Although, you know, I, I, somebody said to me, Channel eight six five eight six five is it? That was the standard. That was the standard definition. Yeah, channel on Sky of the football coverage, so you could watch it like you were viewing it through a potato if you wanted to. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But strangely, just like the web, the web feeds were fine, weren't they? Like LUTV was fine, Swans TV was fine. So I don't know. Put 50p in the meat, whatever yeah, it is. Whatever yeah, I think so. Is. Uh, right, we'll get back together then um, after that and uh, and see how the journey was and the Premier Inn was and hopefully back with another three points as the old charge to promotion continues. Cheers, boys. Thanking you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>